Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 177. Big episode, you've got some intriguing things happening at the end of the episode. Shane, I learned so much about not only myself, but the world in doing research for the mailbag segment at the end. And the mailbag is where listeners sending questions every Friday to me and I answer them. I hit their topics. But this was actually a fascinating one to be researching. I loved it. What you mean is, so people send you questions, Mm -hmm. but you don't always know the answer. So you've been Googling it and these Googles have been blowing your mind. Look, I've been compiling research. So maybe somebody, you know, instead of doing an easy Google, they're like, let's get Alex to sit there for an hour when she's, you know, waiting for a kid to fall asleep and she'll compile the research. Look at what's good information, what's bad. You're like Bing. You you sure? Yeah. Bing. Does anybody use that anymore? That's what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Shane. A couple things I want to get to. I know you've got some good questions for us, and we're going to get to questions, those. Questions, not good. Well, <laughs> don't say, sell yourself so short. But before we get there, all right, I had lots of bad dreams this week. I, I found myself awake in the middle of the nights. It was pretty brutal. So I was trying to research some things online to kind of like calm me down and bring me back into, I don't know, happy places. I've been watching some good love stories. So I was like, looking at like love advice and just stuff like that online on instagram whatever don't ask it was 3 a.m but i found some old school marriage advice okay so like i feel like i don't even need to say this because it's all from the late 1800s early 1900s but it's it's wildly sexist it's all essentially crazy but i do want to delve into it a little bit to see if any of these have anything to it so if we can look at it from an angle of like you know not the sexist way but looking at it in regards to both parties like both people in the marriage i want to talk about it okay the first one i verily believe that the happiness of homes is destroyed Wait, say that word again verily verily yes oh i thought that was a flub okay (laughs) what does that mean it's like i heartily believe oh so i very No, I can't say it. I verily believe that the happiness of homes is destroyed more frequently by the habit of nagging than by any other one. And it goes on to say that nagging ultimately leads to infidelity full stop. And that is from an article in 1951 called Sex, Satisfaction, and Happy Marriage by Reverend Alfred Henry Tierer. So obviously nagging is steeped in sexism sexist word we don't talk about nagging in regards to men and i don't think it's obviously going to lead to infidelity in every circumstance but nagging is not a great thing and it's an easy habit to fall into sometimes like if i nag you once i find that i'll nag you thrice yeah but sometimes someone needs a good nagging (laughs) there's a lot of truth in nags in, yeah, but there's also you can overdo the nags because then if you get used to nagging and you get used to not even criticizing, but critiquing or happily mentioning where your partner could do something better or where they're going wrong. You're like, oh, you missed a spot. It becomes overwhelming and you get overwhelmed by the nag. You know what I mean? But sometimes passive aggressive behavior, you're like, can I just have a nag, please? <laughs> do you want a nag? Um, no, I don't want a nag, but I don't want passive aggressive behavior either. Wait, how does the passive aggressive behavior come in nagging? Can you elaborate there? 
So a passive aggressive thing would be to, let's say there's a towel left on the floor mm -hmm. to pick up the towel and mm -hmm. stomp away yeah. and ugh, let out a big sigh or something. The nag would be, could we make it a habit to maybe pick these up? <laughs> That's exactly how Shane says it, you guys. That's how he nags. Wait, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm in, kidding. Oh, you're tricking me. <laughs> could you not joke about me like that, please? So, Shane, who do you think nags more frequently in our relationship? Hmm. I wonder who nags more. <laughs> who is more accidentally um, inconsiderate person? Answer my question. No. Um, no, I would say I nag more, but you're more passive aggressive. I'd say that that is a very fair assessment of our relationship. Because people who are passive aggressive, they think they're avoiding conflict, but they're not. And people who nag are probably getting in too much conflict. Yeah. And, you know, there's got to be a happy medium. And I, th I think obviously it all comes back to like communicating things in a healthy way because nobody wants to be to feel like there's an overwhelming amount of nags being put on them. And then nobody wants to feel like their partner's always huffing and hawing around them. You know what I mean? It puts the partner in a terrible place if it happens frequently and all the time. Um, that was redundant. But it obviously could lead to things that are not good. Not that that's an excuse because it definitely isn't. You should be talking about that and everything. But yeah, nagging, passive aggressive behavior – uh-uh, big no-no. So I don't know why that one was necessarily on the list. I, like I found that in articles uh, saying, this marriage advice is terrible and has no place in this year. But I think that the bottom line and, and what it's kind of can be condensed down to, I, I think it's good advice, right? Don't, what's the advice? Well, I think you can condense it down to don't nag and just have better communication and don't get don't get on your partner so much about like little things that don't matter. Pick your battles. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. You can if you're not telling people little things that are annoying you that you you can build up a rage potentially. Potentially, it's an interesting one. The next one that I got. This is from the book "This Passion Called Love" by Eleanor Glynn from 1925. Always be groomed. Nothing appeals more to a man than immaculate cleanliness. A stunning beauty who even looks slightly soiled will lose out every time to her plain-faced sister so pleasing to the senses. So a couple things to avoid. Red hands. I, I don't know if they mean nails or like just red hands. My hands get well, red I'm very dealing frequently. With <laughs> dealing with beets. The husband loves beets. Uh, fingernails that are too highly polished or shaped like swords, which is obviously like trend right now in 2023 um hair that is doctored in any way i don't know what that means whiny like voices a wig, maybe but no but it's like haircuts they're talking about like does it mean like a shapely haircut yeah maybe if it's too artistic or something the hair like too weird yeah uh and then giggling and earrings like chandeliers so when it comes to always be groomed like i get it. like when you're courting somebody right when you're first going for somebody you always make yourself look super nice you want to wear like nice clothes whatever well you don't want to be soiled you don't well that's soiled. A, that's a bad choice of words it's a gross soiled only makes me think of like you pooped your pants yeah or or pissed yourself 
Yeah, there's no other way to imagine soiled. Sharded? <laughs> Shane. I'm just trying to think of other things for soiled. It's on top. Can you imagine going to your first date and you've been soiled? Yeah. You've soiled yourself? That's awful. Is there any recovering from that? Like, let's say we're on our first date. There's got to be. What do you mean? Recovery from that. Oh, okay. So let's say we're on our first date and you tell me a joke and I laugh and I <laughs> sharp myself. Is the recovering. Okay. You, there has to be a wicked connection for there to be recovery. But I truly believe there could be. If you sharded on our first date, it wouldn't have been a no for me. Like, you would have jumped in that shower. But the whole relationship would not have been a no for me. Okay. What about if I had sharded on our first date? I think it'd be fine. Yeah? Yeah. What about if I farted on the first, second, and third date? sharded or farted sharded so i come to the dates clean (laughs) not i don't come while i'm sharding no but you looked at me like that's what i meant oh my god you had a long pause well here's the thing i i think at that point it's like ooh, is there a medical issue here shane you're just really funny i would take that as a compliment maybe but i do think there's an underlying issue but soiling aside I think that the left side or right. I think that in a marriage, like we've been together. We were going through this the other day. We've been married for seven years this summer, together for eight years. That's almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Like my longest relationship prior to this, what, two years, two and a half years? Nothing. Mine was four. That's huge. But see, it's like this is it's really nothing. So at this point, I think in a relationship, whether you're married or just been together for a long time, it means a lot to, you know. In that dating each other sense, like dress up for each other, make yourself look nice for the other person, just to give even you that feeling of like, oh, this is going to be special. This is out of the ordinary. But I mean, if somebody is always groomed and I don't ever see them looking, I don't know, slovenly or like in their sweatpants and like maybe stained t-shirt, that throws up some red flags for me personally. I'm like, what's, why can't they ever be chill? Why can't they be chill around me? Why can't they just like wear their sweatpants and have their hair messy? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What, what would be your thoughts on that? I said, mm-hmm. yeah, that I agree. Sometimes, you know, you'll walk around the house and you'll be covering your breasts with your hand. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? What's up with that? I've always wanted to ask you. <laughs> well, if I'm maybe not feeling uh, confident, I will walk around covering myself but then if i'm feeling confident and good then i will uncover so okay, i think it's just I think boob it's, confidence no self-confidence in general it's like i don't want him to see me or you don't deserve but you're never to. covering your gut get out of here what no i'm just saying uh, uh, not, not they have a gut but any part of your body like your double chins <laughs> you're not covering <laughs> what well it, it has to do i think with like Maybe if I'm upset with you or something and I'm covering myself because I'm like, you don't deserve to look at me right now while I'm running across the house to get my T-shirt. Oh, okay. So it's so I don't get uncomfortable. Well, it's so you're not like, ah, there is my hottie. It's like, no, you can't see this right now. You know what I mean? Got you. Okay. I have some questions too. Or do we continue with this? No, I've got one more. I've got one last one. Let's do it. The last one. So this is from a text called Instruction and Advice for the Young Bride from 1894. Hit it. Give little, give seldom, and above all, give grudgingly. Do you know what they're giving? Kisses? What, sex? Yeah, anything intimacy-wise. 
Oh, okay. So give little, give seldom, and give grudgingly. That's the advice? Yes, because they say, (laughs) it's a funny line. It says, otherwise, what could have been a proper marriage could become an orgy of sexual lust. And I'm just curious what the understanding of a proper marriage is in 1894. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe, you know, you can get the milk at home. But maybe if you have too much milk, you'll you'll become sick of it. <laughs> maybe. And you'll go looking for another cow who maybe has less milk. Well, I think that that wasn't i think the proven thing in 1894 is that people were looking for milk elsewhere no matter what in a lot of cases why 1894 more than well women didn't have many rights men had lots of extramarital stuff like a lot i think women couldn't really do anything about it because they couldn't really ask for divorce they couldn't be financially they couldn't own land at that time period in a lot of places they couldn't have any finances that were their own you know what i mean so they couldn't really have anything to say about it So it's just, it's interesting advice because I think now whenever we've had relationship experts on the podcast, it's all been about like making, you know, your intimacy great and making sure that you're on the same page or whatever. And it's just, it just seems outdated. And I do think that is kind of wild advice. But if you can always get milk, maybe you don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like if milk only comes once a week, you're like milk's here give me that milk yes give me that milk indeed well there you go so uh absence makes the heart grow milkier speaking of which would you rather go in or out for a date night (laughs) that's right i've got a list of hard-hitting questions here (laughs) okay should like do you have a list like should i fly through them whatever just answer them you'd rather go out at this at this point in time I know a lot of people, they want to say, I prefer to go in and staying in is amazing. But if you had to say, because, you know, we've we've had too much milk here. We haven't gone out enough. It's true. What is the one food you cannot live without? Mm. So, yes, this is a fly through it. Uh, (laughs) Bananas, go. Bananas. I eat bananas so frequently. That's not true. What could you live without? What, what is one food I couldn't live without? Yeah. Pizza. Oh, I love pizza. Yeah. Pizza. Stealing your answer. Would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great, great grandchildren? Oh, it has to be the grandchildren. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Oh, my gosh. I want to see how they're just the cutest thought in the world. Yeah. I don't give a shit who made me. <laughs> no. I want to see what I made. Oh, yeah. They were all a-holes in the past anyway. Keep going. How can I love you best in this season of life? In this season of life? Milk, babe. What activity makes you feel alive? <laughs> Milk, babe. Alex, can what? we get any real answers there here? Are, there are real answers, Shane. I'm saying them with a laugh and a smile because it's kind of funny, but it's real. What is a dream you had that you were able to make come true? Um, oh, I was friends with a famous person. You were able to make that come true. Kind of. She followed me back on Instagram. Who? Uh, Leandra Earl from the beaches. Okay. We may have to redefine the word famous. (laughs) 
I'm not saying she's not popular. I'm not saying she's not a big band. I'm just saying she came to the premiere of the dessert. Look, I sent her a DM and I commented on one of her stories and then she started following me back. Would you she would you say in the DM, oh, I love your new song? No, but I do love it. But I didn't want to seem like a fangirl. So what'd you say? She posted um, a clip from your show of Bella and commented on how funny Bella was. And I was like, yeah, she's hilarious. She never messaged me back, but she did start following me. Okay, I'm a little well, embarrassed. My husband's funny too. <laughs> What's one thing you view as overrated? Present company excluded. <laughs> overrated. I was thinking about something being overrated the other day. Well, I can't think of anything right now. Who are you closest to in your family and why? Oh, my mom. Just, you know, she's the easiest to to talk to and Okay, husband, you know. love of life well, sitting. I wasn't, right I wasn't thinking about this immediate present company. Okay. Let me see here. What is overrated? Going to the gym for a workout. <coughs> oh, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, work out at home. I think salads are overrated. Yeah, yeah. Like when you get a good food and they give you a salad to make on the side. Yeah, you got to put love into a salad. Those salads are just blah. Yeah, unless the salad's the main meal. Mm-hmm. I mean, a side salad is usually overrated. Yeah, I like agree. There's some really good salads out there. But not on the side. <laughs> or when you order a pizza and they give you a salad and they just throw like a full tomato in no, there. Oh, it's and... stupid. It's stupid. Okay. What cartoon character do you see yourself in? Wait. Which is kind of a gross question for a man to answer, but I think you can answer it appropriately. I see myself as Johnny Bravo a little bit. Johnny Bravo? Or She-Ra. Okay. Do you know Johnny Bravo? Did you ever watch that? Nope, never. What about She-Ra? Nope. But you watched He-Man. I did. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Who's your Who's your cartoon character? I liked Woody Woodpecker a lot when I was a kid. So, and I thought he was the funniest cartoon in the world. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't age well. So you see, not because it's inappropriate, but just because it's not funny. But you see yourself in Woody Woodpecker. Um, I did at the time. <laughs> All right, Shane, do you have any more uh, of those hard-hitting okay, questions? Let's go three more questions okay. and try to really like answer these. I will. What's your favorite trait you hope I never lose? So it seems like it's about you, but this is about me. Yeah, my favorite trait about you that I hope you never lose is your ability to be romantic with me anywhere. You know, whether we are out at a party, whether we're at home, um, so it could be that that one involves me, but I really appreciate that about you. Cause I think a lot of people don't have that ability to be so comfortable with their spouse in different, you know, things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think that's really important. And it's part of the reason that I think I became so enamored with you initially. And I, that holds up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just your, and I have no doubt that you'd ever lose this, but you're just your ability to kind of bring levity to any situation. Um, I think it's it's important and it's hilarious. And I uh, laugh most of the day when, uh, when we're around each other. One thing I try to bring levity to, and you hate it, I've noticed. What? Um, if I were in an argument and I try to imitate you. It's not, that's not levity. You're imitating me out of anger. You're imitating me out of like, you said this. <laughs> and it's I like, do, come I on. I don't even do that voice. I do it much funnier. <laughs> Let's that, hear it. You, 
I'll be like, uh, I'll have a funny line too about mm. it. Like, I forgot what it was. Today I had a really good one that I thought was actually funny because it was, and you're like, don't imitate me. And it wasn't even an imitation. It was just me trying to bring levity to the situation. So it's you bring levity, not you being a 12-year-old boy and imitating the person you're in an argument with. No, I, I thought it was I thought it was fitting, but okay. Anyway, um, what's a movie or sitcom you think captures the dynamic of our love story? Oh, okay. Sitcom, I don't know. Movie, I don't know. But I'm watching a show right now, and I love it because it reminds me of you. And I think I, I think I told you this, Shane. I'm watching Queen Charlotte right now. It's a Bridgerton short story. Was I telling you about this? And Charlotte, she was like kind of forced to marry this king. But then they realize that they like are really attracted to each other and they hit it off really good and they are all over each other. But then he starts to uh, lose his mind. He starts going insane. Mm -hmm. Or like she realizes that he's been kind of insane his whole life. And then it's them. Their garden is always in bloom, even through his insanity. Like she's always like trying to help him and they love each other so much and they're always finding their way back to each other and everything. And I was like, oh, if, if you were like that, I feel like I'd want to do that with you. You know what I mean? I feel like everybody loves Raymond is a good one that I, I'm reminded <laughs> of often. I don't know that show well enough to even get. I don't know. I have like a Ray Romano vibe a little bit. <laughs> People have told me I look like him. Sometimes life feels like a sitcom for me. So what about the relationship between Ray and his wife makes you think of us? I don't know. The Ray's always kind of like bumbling and (laughs) screwing up situations (laughs) accidentally. I'm into it. Yeah. I'll I'll watch an episode. I'll uh, I'll have my verdict Last one. I'm going to find the best one. Okay. I like these, by the way. Okay. You could wake up tomorrow. What are your time? No, that one's stupid. (laughs) Okay. When I'm not home and you are alone, do you shut the door for using the bathroom? No, I barely shut the door when I'm using my bathroom when you're here. I only shut it if I'm going number two. Okay. What is one thing you vehemently (laughs) want to accomplish in the next five years? I mean, it's a small, I, I want to get to over 100,000 followers on Instagram because we take, that's a business we like doing. Um, the next five years, that's your goal? No, I imagine that would happen sooner. Five, what, 500,000? Yeah, so everything's just about Instagram, your goals in the no, next five years? No, 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 no. Um, I don't know, five years. I don't, I don't know. I got to think about that. That's a tough one. What about you? Season two? Well, that, that's an immediate goal. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think could have season two of the show earlier than that, but that is quite difficult to get a season two of a show. Yeah, I think, what's a good creative project? A feature film would be cool. Oh, that'd be amazing. Figure out a way to do a feature film. Do I get a cameo? Yeah, you'll probably be the star of it. We have no money. True. That could be fun. Throw in all the intimate scenes you want then. I'm cool. As long as it's me. Okay, and if anyone's seen the show, they'll know how funny that is because <laughs> Alex, who claims that she's very protective over me and you know me being in a sexual scene with anyone, directed a sex scene in episode six. I think what what is it the third installment of our Sightless series yeah. for the superheroes named Sightless in episode six of the Dessert, the show on Crave right now, and 
I had intended to not have a sex scene. It was just supposed to be biting someone on the shoulder. But instead, Alex directed a whole sex scene. I was the intimacy coordinator. And it's actually, okay, here's, it's actually kind of cool. Did you know she did a, a love scene in Trailer Park Boys with Julian? Yeah. That's a rather big love scene. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Anyway, check it out. Let me know, uh, did I do a good job at the intimacy coordinating? Well, there's one scene where I'm just pumping so much. <laughs> with your pants on. My pants are on. <laughs> but it's still, it's pretty. It's I, I, I didn't know how the camera was framed. <laughs> anyway. graphic. Should we get to the mailbag segment? Let's do it. But before we get there, let's tell everyone who we're supported by. All right. We are supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. They believe in quality over quantity, and they make, I'm telling you, the best basics that you can get for your littles. Two words, marina wool. <laughs> These are fashionable wardrobe staples, often made from marina wool, jersey, other awesome fabrics, and they are soft, comfy, and timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. And... It's really easy to put the clothing on your wee ones <laughs> because nothing's more annoying than being a new parent and there's all these buttons and stuff. The worst. You, you can't get on and off, but no worries with Mini Miosh. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. Plus, they now also have a women's collection. This is the M and West collection. It's simple. It's French terry, ethically and sustainably produced like everything else. And it is so amazing. I essentially live in mine. Uh, but you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code this family tree 15 you are getting 15 percent off your order this is available in canada and in the u.s and it is one use per customer so load up your cart again that is minimiosh.com and this family tree 15 but we are also supported by true earth and if you listen to this podcast you know that shane and i have been trying to reduce our environmental footprints and one really easy way to do that that's not very daunting is just choose something in your house to eliminate we started with plow. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> no. We started with plastic laundry detergent bottles. It was an easy step and we found the greatest solution. So we've been using True Earth laundry detergent. I knew it was True Earth. <laughs> I knew it because it's a True Earth breed. <laughs> this detergent comes in pre-measured soluble strips that you simply rip apart and put in your washer. It is so easy. And the best part is that there's no plastic. Because the packaging is so compact, it's also drastically changed the tidiness of our laundry room. Oh, let me take a look. I can actually see the laundry room from here. Man, that's actually the cleanest room in the house. <laughs> this place uh, not it's looking too true. good. It's true. Uh, and as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we usually opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance free. It's gentle on everybody's skin and our clothes still come out really, really clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. You will love this product. And snoop their website because they have amazing products for every room of your house. Uh, but again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now we are in the mailbag segment. Here is the part that apparently blew Alex's mind. She was asked so many fascinating questions. She looked them up on Google. Yeah. Okay, well, look, I'm, learned I'm, a lot. I'm not going to start with the one that I learned a lot from, but I, I really liked this question, partly because I was so fascinated with the whole thing uncovering over social media and in the news last week. Mm -hmm. 
Let's talk about the Jonah Hill text messages. Sorry, I said that weird. Yeah. Why do you think his ex shared this a year after the breakup? And do you think any good comes from sharing those texts with the world? There's another part to this, but we will we'll get to that after. So who knows? And that that's a part of this. Who knows why they were shared? When you break up with someone, especially if it's not amicable, there's going to be so many things at play. You might... You're trying to blow by that word? What? Amicable? Amicable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not being a nag, am I? <laughs> You're fine. Um, but things can get so tricky and feelings are so hurt and people are angry and i don't know what he did i don't know what she did all of that part is away from the public because what we do you were mean you don't know showed, what he did and she did well i don't know what happened to them why they broke up or what happened after their breakup well it seemed like he was being uh, controlling mm -hmm. and that's why she wanted to post it to be like am i losing my mind or is this weird that's why it seemed like she posted it and uh, yeah, it seemed like she just, she was probably wronged in some way, or maybe he moved on and she wanted to uh, revenge. I think she even said she wanted to get revenge, right? Well, yeah, yeah. She, she had a post saying that she was like out for revenge and something else. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I think that it's hard because we live in an age where like nothing is private, right? Messages are not private. And I was looking it up online and in the States anyway, text messages, legally speaking, are not private. Even if you're only sending them to one person, expecting that level of privacy, because it can feel so comfortable. You're having an, like a conversation with somebody who you've had intimate conversations with before. And the next thing you know, they can literally show that to whoever, especially if they have like 100,000 followers. So it's good to be aware of that. But I don't like the idea of people, like unless you have to or something really bad has happened. I don't know. I don't love the idea of people sharing their texts with, you know, somebody that they were partnered with or like a friend or something like that. Yeah, unless she thought it was going to be like a, a big cultural shift, like maybe there's too many men, like you know how like the term gaslighting gets mm -hmm. misused a lot. Maybe the term boundaries is getting misused a lot. So she's trying to shine a light on that and sh change the culture. And the best way to do that is using Jonah Hill's celebrity to be like, listen, boundaries. Like I saw, uh, I, I can't remember her name, but the woman from, what's that really funny show? Those two women, it's like, not like Detroiters, but- Baroness Von Sketch? No, no, with two mm -hmm. women. Um, it's a- Oh, with- Ilana. Yes. Yeah. What's the show called? Now it's killing me. Oh, it's killing me. Broad City. Broad City. Okay. Yes. Broad City. So she was talking about how boundaries aren't like you telling what other people can do with their body and everything. Mm -hmm. It's them, people telling you what you can do with their, their own body. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting because obviously, uh, you know, people don't want their mistakes being out in the public in an embarrassing way yeah. and, and jonah i think was using boundaries in a way that he thought was correct or accurate but it, it does seem like a weird form of control yeah okay could i i want to play devil's advocate kind of for a second because i think jonah's quote-unquote boundaries are like 
ridiculous and i think he just comes across as very insecure which he probably is yeah but coming from another kind of insecure person myself i mean like i wouldn't be cool with like he said one of his boundaries was boundaryless friendships with men i mean i wouldn't want my partner to have boundaryless friendships with women yeah but that's so open to interpretation you almost get the idea that Jonah's idea of what a boundaryless relationship mm-hmm. is is not right. And, and that's mm-hmm. what I mean. This is all vague, and we yeah. really don't know the ins yeah. and outs of the relationship. That's why it, it almost needed more context to justify the posting because yeah. you're kind I, of jumping to either worst-case scenario on Jonah's side or worst-case scenario on the yeah. reasons why she's doing it. So I don't know. There seems to be a lot of assumptions going around on both end which is why it's kind of hard in this situation to be podcasters commenting on it because it's almost like your comments are informing Mm -hmm. which side of the fence you lean on anyway and that's not a good way to be approaching something because then the people listening assume oh that person's saying that Mm because of x y and z because they're really just like looking for something to justify something they already believe in and that's why something like this is very tricky to comment on. Mm-hmm. No, I, I and I agree. I wanted to bring it up, though, because I was totally fascinated with everything. Like, I was looking up all the new information that was coming out every day, and I'm like, why am I so just I- into this? I couldn't yeah. figure it out. And I think because I liked, honestly, reading the discourse about it, like in the comment sections, I like seeing people on both sides of it because I didn't and still kind of don't know where I stand on the whole thing. Um but I mean, if, I, if I you're fault, a, I find fault with both people. Yeah, but if you're a bodybuilder, let's say, and you meet someone under the pretense or whatever, mm-hmm. post tense of knowing they're a bodybuilder, oh. and you're like showing your muscles off to people, it's like, insane. It, it, she's a surfer, so she's going to be showing her body. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm assuming she wears a wetsuit often. If no, it's that, chilly, but if it's hot out, <laughs> that part's insane. Obviously, I don't think Jonah should have been dating her in the first place. If that's made him uncomfortable right Mm -hmm. but um yeah i i think that the whole thing is tricky and if it comes down to sharing private or would be would assume to be private text openly i do think that's hard and like it all comes down to for me personally it comes down to i can't cast any stones i'm not a perfect person what if an ex-boyfriend of mine wanted to show texts of when i was being a crappy girlfriend you know what I mean? And that kind of makes me just empathize a little bit, I think, because I don't know anybody that's been good or perfect or not to blame for something. And I, I do think Jonah's boundaries or whatever was like that was an egregious error. But I don't know. I think I empathize because of that. I don't know anything. <laughs> I like that answer. Okay. The next question and this is again in relation kind of but in relation to the jonah hill text when do you think boundaries are used as a form of manipulation i was looking up the difference between boundaries and manipulation because i was trying to define them for myself for this podcast and i was like oh this is tricky and shane i think you quoting ilana did the best job of kind of touching on that right boundaries are like for yourself whereas manipulation is something you put on somebody else I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm sure there's plenty of examples of boundaries that maybe aren't directly about yourself or your own body that would still be appropriate. Well, it would have to be because it's like boundaries in our relationship. Okay, like 
like no don't. no smooch in someone else yeah, or that's uh, a boundary. like i don't know lots of people are, have a boundary of like you know you can't be friends with your ex yeah and there's reasons for that and don't be in a girl's dms you know? yeah but i don't know i like honestly i i don't know anything and that's the thing it seems honestly and i want to hit on that it seems like nobody does because i read through like i don't know 25 different therapist blogs where they have relationship experts speaking and everything and everything is kind of the same but also kind of contradictory and overlapping and nobody can distinctively separate boundaries versus like control because it's a very slippery slope and i think it's nuanced and different for every person every relationship yeah but it's like trying to describe how to do a crossover in basketball <laughs> it's like there's so many minute little differences that the defender has to do to mm. know when's the right time to blow by them or you know shane that's a perfect analogy it's just there's it's some things are hard to describe <laughs> no i i totally agree i totally agree and right. uh, i always go to the the famous quote when they're trying to define what pornography is they mm -hmm. what did they have a What's the highest court? A Supreme Court. Supreme Court did a ruling on whether something was pornography or something, or they're trying to decide what is pornography. And they basically said, we don't know, but we know when we see it. <laughs> yeah. And that's that could apply here, but again, I don't know. No, I think that's I think that's real good. But then you get the people saying the statue of David are pornography, right? So then it it's tricky. It's so hard. Everything's difficult. Yeah. But it, it, Statue of David could be pornography to some people. That's the thing. So that's, certain boundaries could be pornography. But I to think some you people. have to recognize if it's ubiquitous pornography. Yes, and that's where the baseline mm -hmm. is. Put you in the Supreme Court. Yeah, you're figuring this out. The Jonah Hill thing and the pornography thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's perfect. Because anything can make anyone aroused. <laughs> though um okay the next question brooklyn beckham took his wife's name so he is pelts beckham what do you think of husbands taking the wife's surname and thoughts on double barreling surnames so double barreling surnames is throwing them both in there as i've never heard that term before i like it and this person is concerned because their kid has the double barreled surnames but they just got married so when the kid is in school next year, they're thinking, like, is it easier just to make it one name or what? What happens when it comes a quadruple barrel? Oh, yeah, because then you get a kid with double-barreled surnames growing up, marrying a kid yeah. with double-barreled surnames. That's confusing. That's a lot. Jeez Louise. I think, okay, personally, I took Shane's name. I loved my last name. I loved... What came with it? My family is pretty active in the city. I liked being associated with that. I'm very proud of, you know, with things that my family does. Um, but I took Shane's name ultimately because for me, I knew we were going to have kids. I knew we were going to try to have kids. And our thing was like, let's just be a team. Let's be our own team. We're starting our own thing. I'm still associated with the other name and I, I give it in certain situations if I know it'll benefit me. But we're a team. We're the Cunningham team. And I like that. And it's uh, easier for the kids. Yeah, I, I like to do whatever is easier. And I, if I was younger, I would probably feel different because I'd be influenced but by younger people mm -hmm. thinking you should do double barrel. Mm -hmm. And then the generation who's younger than that, well, they'll decide what to do with it because they won't want to be quadruple barreled probably. 
and they'll think of something better. So yeah. for me, it's no no worry, but I, I like just one name. What if I had suggested my last name that we take? Um, I, I don't know. I might not do it uh, initially because, you know, tradition or whatever, but mm-hmm. now I don't care. Maybe yeah. at the time I would have railed against it, but I care less now. I feel like I could have talked. Like, I, I don't feel like it would have been an issue if it was something that was important to me. I feel like it would have been uh, something that we would have talked about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always worried to try to like anyone would think I'd be doing it to be cool or something, mm-hmm. you know? No, but if it was important to me, I think that it just wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Names aren't like I get called <laughs> Sean all the time. <laughs> uh, okay. The next question. I like this one. Love what I've seen of Shane's new show. Is he famous in Canada now? Are you famous in Canada now? No. <laughs> you did get recognized at our daughter's dance recital. Yeah, I don't think that's the metric for fame. Um, no, it's very hard. And the reason is our population in Canada is about the size of the population in California. So we're dealing with 38 million people. Unlike California, though, however... About 90% of people in California are very invested in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. They're checking it out. They're noticing it. It's competitive. Canada, outside of Toronto and the you know GTA area, there's just farmers who don't care. <laughs> like there's you know flat land and Yukon and all. They they don't care. They don't care. That's no. why Letterkenny is so popular because mm-hmm. it deals with small towns and there's flat so land. many. Flatland, small towns everywhere. Yeah. And that's appealing. It's like they're talking about us kind of. We understand that. And and I'm not just diminishing it to that. Letter Kenny's written in a very specific language. It has a pace to it. It's something mm-hmm. totally unique. And our sketch show, although I do think it is unique in the sense that we go places and I don't think any Canadian sketch show has ever gone, there's polarization there. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we have a man's testicles being cut out in the third sketch and showing a graphic surgery. There's full frontal male nudity. There's a lot to uh, be ashamed of depending on who you're showing it to. Like, I don't walk around my work with my head held high (laughs) because a company-wide email did go out talking about, hey, everyone check out Shane's show. They didn't know the content when they sent that email out. And I know that's not everyone's thing. So... I think we made the show for 20% of people to love, not 80% to like. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a risk there. And that risk is usually that if it does get popular, it's going to take a while. Yeah. A, a slow burn. No, I like that. Well, I But will... if we sell it to the States, we could ignite. Because well, there's, the there's enough population in that 20% of the States. Like, I think you should leave, for example... Mm-hmm because everyone we know who kind of likes our style watches I Think You Should Leave, it seems like Tim Robinson must be so popular. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who don't know I Think You Should Leave. There's just enough who know it. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to, um, I bumped into a friend the other day and I I told him, hey, I got a sketch show. He didn't even know what sketch was really. Mm-hmm. And I go, he's like, what, a sketch show? It's like comedy show. I was like, it's like I Think You Should Leave. And he goes, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> He thought I was rudely telling him to leave. It's, He'd it's never even show. heard of it. And this was a normal guy. And look, if you haven't heard of it, that's on Netflix. And definitely worth a watch if you like that kind of thing. But it's tricky. And I will say, though, Shane, my grade four, five, and six elementary school teachers were there at your Hamilton premiere. 
and they had a great time. And who knows if they've ever sought out anything like that before, but they were drawn into it. Well, it's it goes to show the power of a night out. <laughs> I think know. so too. Okay, our next question, we got two more. Workplace romances, yay or nay? It's tricky. I mean, when you are in workplace romances are like such a cliche thing because they're just it just happens when you're with people for that amount of time and you get to know them and you work closely with them. The relationships and romances are bound to happen. But that's a lot of risk involved, right? But we know so many people that have met and gotten married through work and have great relationships. And I just think the tricky thing is that you have to ensure that you're maybe going in for it because like you really feel connected to the person and not because you want to sleep around because I don't think work is the place to do that. It could be depending on the vibe of the work. And the, the problem is it, it depends on your temperament. They're both mm-hmm. people's temperament. Are you going to be an a-hole? Or are you going to like never, like if you break up, are you the type that mm-hmm. causes chaos? Yeah. Or are you the type you're best friends with every one of your, your exes? Mm-hmm. And is that other person that type? And what's the uh, the power balance at work? Are you both subordinates or are you yeah. bo- one's the boss and one is the subordinate? So it's uh, there's a lot of things to consider but as a that's why they generalize and they say don't do it because there are so many things that can go wrong but there could be a lot to go right which is falling in love and marrying the love of your life i don't know yeah it's people can tell you not to do it all you want but if you're in love you're love like what if you and i met at work no i know i was thinking about that i was thinking about that it's like you know what if your person is there it's tricky but uh, yeah, I think it's about knowing yourself and knowing the company's policies. So it's like, all right, this is worth possibly getting in trouble for. You know what I mean? <laughs> company's policy. <laughs> There's so many rules broken. Love being the most powerful thing on earth. Well, let's see what the company's policy well, is. I will say, okay, I was reading a study. This is one of the things I learned tonight. That people who are frequently subjected to other people flirting at work, like who see a lot of flirting at work, they um, what you, they report less job satisfaction and feel like they matter less because then it's like, oh, the flirty people, they get all the fun times or like the promotions or whatever. It's like they feel like they're out of the loop. But yeah, flirting at work makes people not have such a good time when they have to watch you. Flirting is hurting. Flirting is hurting. You hear it. You hear it. You heard it here first, first, folks. Exactly. Well, do we have another question? Our last one. This is the one that really blew my mind. Can neurotoxins improve your mood? I got the tiniest bit for my frown lines because I was glaring all the time. Anytime I caught myself in a reflection, I was frowning. I was self-conscious about it. And my partner really loves that I can't glare now. So can Botox improve your mood? What do you think? Because it blew your mind, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So apparently, and this is like peer-reviewed studies have been put out now, but there is an effect that it has to treat certain aspects of depression. And it comes down to the fact that there is direct correlation between your facial expressions and how your brain is processing emotion or holding on to emotion. So if you can't... I guess this is how I'm just telling it. If you can't frown and look mad, 
you're not going to be so mad. But then that also says something for like Shane just started smiling. Because like, that's advice yeah. for if you're not feeling well, start smiling and you can feel, you can trick your brain into smiling. Yeah. And and that's what I was going to say. And it's like, that seems to all check out. So fascinatingly, yes, it does have an effect apparently. Do you think if a bunch of hockey players started getting Botox, they'd call it Brotox? <laughs> maybe they do. And maybe they do. Um, well, is that what, what's his name calls it? Who? Who's the one? Uh, Zach Efron's been hitting it hard lately. Yes. Oh yeah. I thought he just said jaw surgery or something. I think he's getting it all. I'll, I'll Google that right now. But good episode, Alex. Thanks, baby. And thank you for listening to this, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode one hundred and seventy-seven. <laughs>